Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Ask the Lord to touch us now. If you have your Bibles and would join me in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 20. I'll just ask you to keep your Bibles open to the 20th chapter because there we're going to stay for a little while uh, today. Uh, I am... As sometimes I do on Sunday mornings, I'm not going to try to get through all of this or feel pressured to get through this. And what I don't get through in our first service, I will conclude in our second service in a little while. And so I ask you, if you will, just to exercise a little extra strength here today and let's keep continuity between these two services. Can we do that? The book of Deuteronomy 20 and 1 The Bible says, when thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be when you are come nigh unto the battle. I want you to really pay careful attention to that sentence there because we're going to come back to that it shall be when you are come nigh unto the battle that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people and shall say unto them hear O Israel ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies let not your hearts faint fear not and do not tremble neither be ye terrified because of them For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Amen. There is a method to the madness. There's a method to the madness. He said the Lord's going to go with you to fight for you against your enemies and all of this to save you. I want to preach today from this this thought. I want to talk about principles of warfare. And there are several principles of warfare that are given to us in this 20th chapter. And uh, I pray the Lord's blessings upon this word. And you may be seated in the name of the Lord. I'm thankful that you're here today. This passage contains the instructions of, that God gave the people of Israel through Moses. Just before they entered into the promised land. They had wandered in the wilderness, the desert wilderness, for 40 years because of a previous generation's doubt and unbelief. And many, if not most of you, are familiar with that story. But now there is a new generation, a new generation that is about to embrace the promises that God had made all the way back in Genesis 12. And so they're standing at the brink of of what God is about to do in their lives. It's no longer a fairy tale. It's no longer a mystery. And now 
we are moving forward and we are about to literally step into the promises of the Lord. The 20th chapter of Deuteronomy in its entirety uh, just contains the instructions that the Israelites were given and they were given these instructions on on the basis of literal warfare. They were facing literal warfare. It's here that God tells them how to fight, how to win, how to respond when they see certain things, when they encounter certain things. And so we may sit here and wonder how uh, would the instructions for the children of Israel going into Canaan be relevant for us today. But I, I think that it really is because all Scripture is given to us for a reason. And I believe that all throughout the Old Testament, there are overarching principles that we can find that are as relevant today in 2014 as they have ever been. And I think we will agree on that before we leave here today if, if we don't already. And so we need to know then if these principles, if there's an overarching principle that God is trying to point out to me, I want to know how to get my hands on that and then pull it into my life and allow it to be relevant today. Paul said to the church in Rome in Romans 15 and 4, For whatsoever things were written, written aforetime were written for our learning. This was an educational process. We want you to write this down because someone is going to benefit from this. There, there's an education that's going to come. And he said they're written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. <laughs> Thank God for hope. And so we have these scriptures that help us in times of warfare to realize that someone has already walked where I am walking. Someone has already faced this giant. Someone has already faced this mountain. And now it is my turn and I have something that will help me. These timeless truths were intended, I believe, by God to teach us lessons about not literal warfare so much, but as lessons about spiritual warfare. And I want to say something right here, and I'm not trying to be confrontational, but maybe I am. But sometimes when you mention spiritual warfare, there's a certain element of people that just kind of check out on you. Because they think, well, we're about to get weird here. But I want to tell you that spiritual warfare is real. And just because you deny its existence does not mean it packed up and went away. Spiritual warfare is extremely real. And so we need to, we need to realize that we are in a battle. There, there's a battle that's going on here and now. I was talking to my wife, and I don't want to meander. I, I, I can't meander too many times a day or we'll be here all day. And I, I know you wouldn't want to do that. But when you think about, and, and I, I won't really cover in all these blanks, but I'm, their, their sin is so subtle, yet so bold. But the, the subtleness of sin that just kind of creeps in to our lives, and many times it, it, it creeps into our lives through our homes. And, uh, and, and Hollywood teaches us to laugh about immorality. And so uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm not here to preach against comedy, but I'm here to tell you that many times that, that things are packaged with a laugh. But there is a sinister spirit 
of introducing something. If we can get you to laugh about this, then perhaps you're embracing this. And so I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we need to realize that, that we are in a spiritual battle. Secondly is the fact that we're engaged in a real battle. It's, it's largely spiritual, as I mentioned, but in nature, but it is very real. It may not be hand-to-hand combat as the children of Israel were facing, but it is nonetheless real. Basically, we fight against three primary things. And I know when you start numbering things and, and, and calling things out, but, but basically, we fight against three things. First, the Bible teaches us that we are in a constant battle against the philosophies and the values of this world's system. And the world system, the values of the world system has always been. This, 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 we're not just talking about something for the 21st century. But in every generation there has been a world system. And ungodly philosophies and, and, a, and, a, and a provoking world system. Colossians 2 and 8 warns us against such philosophies that can easily take us captive. He said you've got to beware of those things. Secondly, the Bible speaks about the fact that we are... Uh, in constant battle with sinful inclinations that are within us. <laughs> the amens were fewer on that one. But we're in a battle with the sin nature that lies within us. And so you read the most hideous headline you want to find, and you think, man, oh man, what, what, how could someone do something like this? Let me tell you, that same nature is in us. We can have the same thought in us. We need the power not to act on that thought, the power to overcome those things. We're all made out of the same material, and, and uh, I know that makes people uncomfortable, but Paul gives this long, dirty laundry list and then concludes by saying, and such were some of you. And so before you jump up on the fence and flap your wings and crow, wait just a minute, such were some of you. And so it was an in-your-face reminder that, that we, are, we are wrestling against spiritual inclinations that are just there. I'll ask you not to raise your hands or you don't even have to say amen and for the Lord in heaven's sake, don't get up and run around the building. But how many have you, of you have ever just had some thought, an evil thought, a bad thought that just popped in your head out in the middle of nowhere? You're going, where in the world? Where did that come from? I mean, just all of a sudden, just, the, the, just something vile, something that would be contrary to, to your normal everyday thought process. You think, where in the world did that come from? It came from in here. So you've got to watch that heart. It's desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. You, you can't trust what's there. You've got to make sure that we realize that we're in a battle against the sinful Things, inclinations that are within us. And Paul writes about the tension we feel uh, sometimes within ourselves between these two opposing forces. He writes in Romans 7, 22, he said, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but then in all honesty. Thank you, Paul, for not, for not concluding here. Thank you for not folding the book and say, done. I'm glad that he wrote verse 23. He said, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members I see something else going on here I, 
Amen. I hope Brother Gibson won't think I'm uh, putting, uh, saying too much and revealing too much. But a few days ago, uh, we were together. A few weeks ago, we were together, and he made mention of something. And and uh, I'm going to tell you, from that day until now, I've I've prayed differently about this. And we were talking about people that that just cannot really realize they have some kind of terminal disease in their body. And then just uh, go for maybe an, an annual checkup and just uh, something show up. And then the next news you know, they're just taken out of this world. And that had happened really on the heels of, of uh, some friends, a, a friend that had passed away very young, 48 years old, didn't really even realize anything was wrong. And we were talking about that. And Brother Gibson told me, he said, you know, if that could happen to us naturally, then would it not be fair to say that we could have something in our spirit? This is not to incite fear in us, but this ought to incite an awareness in us. Is, that, is, it not, is it not reasonable then to think that something could be lurking in our spirit and we not know just because something doesn't hurt, just because something doesn't pain us or something doesn't bleed or bruise is not mean. And so I want to, he said, I want to pray differently. I want to ask God, make sure. I want to check my spirit. I want to, I want an exam. I want to stand. Lord, I want to stand in the mirror, uh, the image of your word and, and reveal to me. And I, and I think that we have to uh, acknowledge that. Paul said, but I see I see another law in my members. I see something. I know he said, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. I, I love the word of God. But he said, what troubles me is what I see in other places. And what should trouble all of us, amen, is not what happens here on Sunday, not what happens here on Wednesday night while we're in the presence of the Lord worshiping him. But what ought to trouble us is what we see on Monday afternoon or what we sense on Thursday morning, that, that, that other thing that's going on in us. There are some principles of warfare here. And so Peter said this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Isn't that true? It's true. Sure it's true. The conversation between God and Satan himself concerning Job, he said, where have you been? As I've been walking back and to and fro. I've been walking in the earth. I've been, I've been trying to find something. And so he goes back and forth, back and forth, to and fro. He said, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same effects, afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So Simon Peter says you need to be sober. You need to wake up and shake yourself. And so with that said, we should know that we are in a constant state of battle with these three things, the world, philosophies, the world system, Sure. <clears throat> if you, if you, you know, if you expose yourself to vulgar, you only have to do the vulgar talking. But if you just keep yourself exposed to vulgar talking, what used to embarrass you will no longer even move you. Because there's a world system. There's a world system that if we can just do this long enough, it won't bother us. And so there used to be there used to be lifestyles that stirred up and and provoked the conscience of men in society and women in society that said no we're not going to do that this is wrong but if you just keep getting exposed to it again and again and again after a while the world says well it may not be that wrong and I will say again that if it's 20 below zero out there, it's going to eventually affect in here. And so whatever is going on in the world will eventually knock on the front door of the church. And now. Now we've got problems. 
And so when the church says, well, it's just not that big of a deal, and hear me today, this is the vain philosophies that are going on that are chipping away at our conscience, chipping away at our morality. They're chipping away slowly but surely, and so we've got to learn how to fight against these things. And so we're fighting against the world. We're fighting against those own desires and and, and those inclinations in our own lives, and certainly we are fighting against the devil. And so against, again, our, our struggle may not be physical as the warfare of ancient Israel, but it is no less real. But also like them, we have a mighty God. <laughs> yes, we do. He said, he said, he said there's going to be some things you're going to fight and face, but I am going to be with you. And so I've come to this pulpit today to tell you that we like them are going to face some things, but we're not going to face them alone. We, like them, have a mighty God who fights this battle with us. Amen. We're in a battle, but the battle belongs to the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. And so let's look at just a few of these principles, if we may. Verse number one, again, and I'm, I'm not going to just do this verse by verse, hopefully, but but when you go to the battle against the enemies, he said, when you see horses and chariots, And people, more than thou, be not afraid of them. Now, that's a tall order. The passage is very specific. He said, when you see horses and chariots and people that are more numerous than you, then you need to fear not. But on a purely human level, that's going to be hard to do. We can say all we want to, don't be afraid. But I've been afraid. We can say fear not, but I've had fear grab me by the throat and almost choked the life out of me. Amen. And so he said, fear not. And so I had to realize, wait a minute, I've got God on my side. Amen. In fact, it was the sight of such things that first intimidated the previous generation. Amen. Think about that now. There is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. That's what Paul would eventually write to the church at Corinth. And so what they're facing now and what they're being warned about now is very much like the very same thing that intimidated the first generation that said, we can't do this. And so God let them walk around a mountain for 40 years until they all died off. And now a brand new generation, he doesn't say, well, you know, I feel sorry for you and I'm going to make life a whole lot easier for you. No, they're going to face the same things that the first generation had shirked their responsibility. Amen. I'm going to tell you something about spiritual victory. You may be defeated in something. And when you come back, when you come back, you're going to find that God didn't move that mountain. He's just going to give you strength to climb the mountain. Amen. God's not going to change his mind and say, well, you know, I was wrong about that. I should have never thrown that temptation in your way. We're going to have to keep trying until we conquer that. And so even though they acknowledged this first generation that indeed they were standing in a land that flowed with milk and honey, they said, nevertheless, the people that dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, they said, we saw the descendants of of Anak there. In other words, they said, we've seen Anakins there or giants there. And so they said, "They're, they're strong. The cities are fortified. They're large and there's giants in the land and we cannot do this. And the conclusion was this. We are not able to go up against this people because they are stronger than we. And so with that, they folded all their clothes, put it back on the wagon and said, we're done. And they ignored men that were holding grapes that they were bowing beneath the weight of 
They ignored the fact that Joshua and Caleb said, but we are able to take this land because God has brought us to this moment. We're able to do that. And so as a result of a bad report, these people were frozen in fear. And it's interesting that the spies said, this is what they said. We were like grasshoppers in, listen, our own sight. And so were we in their sight. Now they're, now they're not just speaking for themselves. They spoke about how the enemy even viewed them. Because that's what fear can do to you. Fear is a thing that can take on a life of its own. Fear has, can, can take a challenging situation. Because we all face challenging situations. Fear can take a challenging situation and turn it into an impossible situation. But God is standing here with a fresh word for this new generation. And he said, when you get there and you see horses and you see chariots and you see men and not a few, he said, I got a word for you. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Fear not. Why? Because the Lord is with you. And so as we wage war against the world, the flesh and the devil, we certainly would lose if we fought within our own power or if we fought within our own success. But the fact is, is that we cannot lose if God fights for us. Anytime the Lord calls us to battle, I mean, it's a battle that he is already fighting on our behalf. And so we remember these words, don't be afraid. Now listen what the scripture goes on to say. In verse 2, the Bible says, And it shall be, and I want us to kind of read through this slow if we can. And it shall be when ye are come nigh unto the battle... And I'd ask you to pause on that and, and consider that. And let's consider, if we will, the, 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 the longitude and the latitude of where they are. When you're nigh into the battle, when you're at the threshold of the battle. He said, here's what's going to happen when you get right to the edge of the battle. And so if you will, I want you to just line several people up in your mind's eye right here along this edge. This is where they're standing. When you get here. I want you to wait. Because sometimes we read the Bible like it's a novel. And we read so fast, we read past a lot of good points. So he said, when you get nine to the battle, in other words, I want you to pause. And I want you to pay a careful attention to what's going to happen. He said, when you're nigh the battle, the priest shall approach and speak to the people. And shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto the battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not, do not tremble, neither be you terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. So he said, when you get right to the edge of the battle, don't just jump out there. When you get right to the edge of the battle, don't you just keep marching on. Don't, don't get so caught up in the battle. Don't get so caught up in bloodthirst that you think, well, we're ready and we're just going to launch out here and just may the best man win. He said, no, when you get to the edge of the battle, when you come nigh, when you're standing at the threshold, call, pause, put a comma there because something very, very important is going to happen. Amen. It looks like we're about to go into battle, but if you're not careful, we'll lose sight of what's really about to happen. Here are men that are about to go into battle. Swords, shields, they're, they're ready. They've already been pumped up. But he said, wait a minute. I got a word coming to you. Amen. I got a, I got a priest that's coming. 
Amen. And now here's all the warriors, but here's the priest that's standing before them. Amen. And he's not telling them, man, you're just some of the greatest fighters we've ever known. Wow, I've never just seen a shield quite that oiled. I've never seen a sword quite so sharp. He wasn't there to blow smoke up their nose and try to make them believe in some pipe dream. But he said, thus saith the Lord. I got a word for you before you go into the battle. Amen. I got a word for you. Hallelujah. Amen. He said, when you get to that point that the priest is going to approach, and when the priest gets there, he's going to have a word in his mouth. God, heaven, is going to have reached down and put something in his spirit. I feel the Holy Ghost in this this morning. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost in this today. And there was a word, hear me. Now, this is much different. I don't want you to misunderstand this. This was not some, uh, this was not some dismal, feeble attempt at a pep rally. Uh-uh. I know there's always been, uh, you know, high school rivalries in any community. As long as I can remember, there's always been a rivalry between Brantford and Mayo. And uh, I'm, I, can, I can't speak about current day, but I'm talking about when I was in, in high school, which has been a few days ago. When I was in high school for many, many years, Brantford had always won. When Brantford and Mayo's football teams played, I mean, we always just got handed our hat and sent home. And so I remember those Friday afternoon, I'm not even sure if they still do this, but I remember those Friday afternoon pep rallies. They got these football players up there, and, and the cheerleaders are saying, Johnny, Johnny, he's our man. This is as good as it's going to get. <laughs> Just know that up front. John, Johnny, Johnny, he's our man. If he can't do it, nobody can. And they're going to say, give me a V and give me an I and give me a C. And they're going to spell out victory. What's that spell? Victory, victory. And those guys on that platform, they knew they weren't going to win. They haven't won. They haven't won in years. Furthermore, those cheerleaders that were trying to win, they knew they weren't going to win. I mean, it was just pep rally time. We've got to give a word. These guys are fixing. They're just hours away from getting their brains beat out. They're just hours away from getting shamed enough to want to move three counties away. But we've got to go through the motions. We've got to tell them everything's going to be all right. You hear me? That's not what I'm talking about today. He said, when you get to the edge of the battle, I want you to stand still. Why? Because i got a word. i got a prophet. i got a voice. Ha, <laughs> ha. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. Brother Gibson, this prophet wasn't a man standing down there with doubt in his heart. He wasn't standing there saying, I hope everything's gonna be all right. But he said, I've heard from God. I've got a fresh word from the Lord. I've got a rima word from God. Amen, don't be afraid. When you see the horses, that was prophecy. And when you see men more than you, that was prophecy. He said, don't be afraid because God is with you. Ooh, I feel something slipping up on me here today. Amen, hear me, church. Church is not reduced, some have reduced church down to nothing more than just a mere pep rally where singers get up here and just kind of entertain us and they just make us feel, supposed to make us feel better about ourselves. And so that's why, that mentality, it gives us a license to say, well, I'm not gonna clap on this song because I don't like that one. I'm not gonna worship on this. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do this because we think that we're here to be entertained. 
Because everywhere we go in this world, we're served. And we are spoiled. Wherever we go, we are served, especially in our culture. We go into a restaurant and sit down, buddy, if they're not Johnny on the spot, got that water right there, they're right, if they don't have that bread, if they don't have, we just get up and walk out. Because we're somebody. And if we're not careful, we'll bring that attitude to church. Mm-hmm. Well, I worship, you know, I don't, I, I'll worship if I feel like it. We, Lord, help us in, 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 in this day. And I, 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 I'm just going to say it. In this day that we're living in, help us if we really believe that we've been pulled out of the mire. If we really believe that we've been hewn out of the rock. If we really believe that such were some of us. If we really believe that. If we really believe that. You would never hear anybody say, come on now, let's worship the Lord. Come on now, let's praise the Lord. Come on now, come on now, come on now. But quite the opposite. There'll be somebody saying, you need to sit down. You need to sit down. We gotta get to the word of God. We gotta get to the prayer. We gotta get to the preaching. But we don't think that. That's not what we really think. That's not what we really believe. That's not what we really believe. We really believe I'm here to be served. Amen. I know what it's like. I'm not, I'm not on, I didn't, nobody put gunpowder on my cigarette this morning. I'm anointed. Amen. I know what it's like to stand behind this pulpit and feel people, feel the pressure of people saying, you need to knock it a little bit further out of the fence. You need to hear me. I'm going to say that again. I know what it's like to stand behind this pulpit and feel the pressure of the congregation that says, well, I know where you put the ball last Sunday, but you better, well, you're going to impress me. You better get it further across that fence. I'm going to tell you what we need is an old time move of God. Hallelujah. We need the power and the presence of the Lord to stir us, to shake us, to change us. We need a prophet. We need a priest that'll stand before us with an anointed brand of fire that he got from off the coals of the altar. Oh, hallelujah. He got it fresh. He got it anointed. Woo, he got something from God. Woo. Hallelujah. Amen. Please, please, please hear me today. We need to know that when somebody steps behind this pulpit and to every preacher in the house, listen to your pastor today. Amen, when you stand behind this pulpit, don't just microwave something up. Don't just heat something up. Don't just fold something or repackage it. Don't try to get through the moment. My God, get on your face. Get on your face before the Lord and say, God, I need an anointing upon me. I need your spirit upon me. I need you to put a coal to my lips. Praise God. Tuesday night, Brother Darrell Williams, and I say this respectfully, was shared a, shared a moment in his, he and his grandfather's life. 
He he'd kind of confided in his grandfather one Sunday morning. He said, I've really struggled with a message for today. And in essence, his grandfather said, well, what, what, what are you talking about? He said, man, I've studied all night to get ready for today. He said, did you pray? He said, yes, sir. He said, I prayed about an hour before church. He said, next time this happens to you, he said, pray all night and study an hour. If you don't have every I dotted, and if you and I'm preaching to me about that now. I ain't throwing rocks. I'm preaching to me about that. If you don't have every I dotted, if you don't have every T cross, if you've got a coal from off the altar of God in your bosom, when you step behind the pulpit, that is what it is the anointing. It is the anointing that doesn't break the chain. It's the anointing, the yoke. It is the anointing that destroys the yoke. And so we need the anointing of God. Amen. I love you, Lord. Deuteronomy. I'm trying to figure out where I was. Verse number four. <laughs> Bless him, Jesus. Thank you for this. Amen. For the Lord, verse number four. You with me? No? Okay. Deuteronomy 20 and four. Deuteronomy 20 and four. For the Lord your God is he. Let me go back to three while she's finding four. And it shall say to him, Hear, O Israel, you approach this day into battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not. Do not tremble. Neither be terrified because of them. Don't be afraid because of them. And we're talking about humans. We're stretching the human possibilities here. Don't be afraid of them. Well, it'd be hard not to be afraid of them. But he said, here's why. In verse number four, For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. So everything is going to be all right. Victory really is ours. It's very important to remember where they were, as I said, when you come nigh unto the battle. And he, he said, now the priest is going to step forward as, an, as a representative of God to minister unto them. He's going to impart to them, if you please, courage. Notice he said, don't let your hearts faint. That is, don't lose your faith. We've, we've had our faith come under attack before, haven't we? Sure. One by one, then he starts identifying the very things that may have been troubling the soldiers about going to battle. He tells them that God... That, that, that God himself goes with them and fights for them and will save them. Then he says it was God himself who commanded the spiritual leaders to even tell them this. For the Lord has said. <laughs> Amen. I want to hear what the Lord has to say today. Amen. So we're engaged in a spiritual battle, especially or when we're engaged in a spiritual battle, and especially when the odds seem overwhelming, we need to take out some time to get some spiritual balance and perspective. And so we're, and we hadn't lost sight of how many there are and the horses and the number of men. But I think there's a lesson in the fact that it was spiritual leaders of Israel who were the ones that commanded to impart courage to the people before the spiritual battle began or the battle began. And so I would say today that, that we need to 
we need to really trust and have confidence. And these words come very hard for me because I feel like I'm speaking about me and in many ways I suppose I am. But we need to realize that when somebody stands behind this pulpit that we're hearing from God. Right, that makes sense? Malachi, Malachi did more than just talk about tithes and offerings. Malachi 2 and 7, put that scripture there if you will. The Bible says this, For the priest's lips should keep knowledge. And they, talking about the people, they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. That's what Malachi said. Keep that scripture up there. That's what Malachi said. He said there's some responsibility here on both sides. The priest should always keep knowledge. Amen. The priest's lips should always retain knowledge. There, there's a responsibility for the priest. Amen. That there would be an anointing upon our lives. And, and as we've often talked about, God can only bless blessable lives. You can't just go out and fornicate and carry on and drink and, 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 and act like a fool and then think that God's going to anoint us and bless us. Amen. Hear me. That's not how it works. God's looking for clean vessels and holy men. Amen. Men, hear me today. What's the scripture talk about? Without wrath and doubting. Amen. Without temper tantrums and without fierce fights and fits and fits and carrying on and our kids scurry away when we come home at the end of the day and our wives cower in fear in the corner because the tyrant has come home. Hear me. Men, amen, we, you know, a lot, a lot of people like to preach to the women, but men have a lot of responsibility in this thing called the kingdom. Amen. He said so that we can lift up holy hands, holy hands. I can't treat my wife any old way. I can't talk to her any old way. I can't just do my children any old way and then come lift up holy hands. I can lift up hands, but they got blood on them. I can lift up hands, but they got sin on them. I gotta say, I gotta keep, I gotta keep myself. And so he said the priest's lips should keep knowledge. So there's the responsibility of the pulpit. And then he said, and the responsibility of the pew, to put it in our current language, and they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. This, this may sound like I'm, uh, 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 this may sound a bit personal. And, and I suppose on many fronts it is. But I remember, I've been preaching long enough to remember when the ministry was, had a lot of respect in the community. But I've also kept preaching long enough to see that a lot of that respect has waned away. I read an article this week that just troubled my heart, my soul. I, I shared it with my wife yesterday. I, I, I'm telling you, I wept when I, when I read this. Of, of where, of, of, according to Barna Poll, and that's a, that is a reliable polling, uh, a data conglomerate for Christendom at large that talked about where the ministry is in the eyes of people, and I'm not going to get into that, but it was second from the bottom of the list. I won't tell you what's under that. I thought, oh, God. Oh, God. I thought, oh, all these years I've invested my whole life into something, and I'm second from the bottom? And I realize that a lot of this has been self-inflicted. I know where a lot of it comes from. So I'm not throwing stones. I know, I know 
But what I'm trying to preach to you today is, and, and this is going against the grain of who I am, but what I'm trying to tell you today is this. We, we, can't, we can't let what the world thinks about the ministry influence what we think about the ministry. We're about to go into battle. We're about to go into battle. And he said, but don't step out there yet. Wait, because I've got something you gotta hear before you get into the battle. And where's that coming from? He said, come on, priest, come on and get over here and tell them what I told you to say. We need to come to church. Oh, hallelujah. We need to come to church, not with an expectation of entertainment on our mind, but we need to come to the house of God and say, I wanna look at that man's lips. Amen, I wanna know what God told you last night. I wanna hear what God told you Friday. I want to hear what God whispered in your spirit this week. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God, I'm preaching, I'm preaching for every preacher here today. I'm not just preaching for Steve Boyd. I'm preaching for every man that stands behind this pulpit. I say when they come stand behind this desk, we need to lean in and say, I want to look at those lips. I want to listen because God has given him something for me. Hallelujah. Mm. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And so pastors and spiritual leaders in the church have a, an important role to play in our lives. Not as dictators and heavy-handed egotists that that are just trying to crush people. And, and I'm not talking about that. Hopefully you've got enough sense to know and know me well enough to not know that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that the world has lost a lot of respect for the church and, and, and it's just been a slow, subtle chipping away. I've said this over and over that certainly there, there's been failures in the ministry and if you, if you you need to listen close, so I don't talk about this a lot. It could be another decade before you hear something like this again. But I know in the latter part of the eighties, certainly in the Pentecostal realm, and that's painting with a very broad brush, the ministry took a black eye. I was preaching when all of this started falling down. And powerful worldwide ministry started falling under acts of immorality and things of that nature. So people lost confidence in the ministry. In more recent years, and no matter what your opinion of the Catholic Church may be, for the most part worldwide, the Catholic movement has represented in the minds of many around the world the church. The church. And so in recent years with all the accusations levied against the Catholic Church of immorality and things that have been going on and with all the priests that are now serving prison terms, the church, the church got a black eye. This is not by accident. This is by sinister appointment. And now more so than ever before, the very book that we hold so precious, that book is under attack. 
And if people can convince our children while they're in school, please don't sit there and think this is not going on. Please don't think that these teachers are not having an influence about evolution and things of that nature on our children. We better do more than sing when we get here. We better do more than have rice perlo dinners. We better do more than have fish fries. We better do more than that. Amen. We, we better be anointed when whatever we're doing, we need the move of God. Why? Because we're in a spiritual battle. And we need the anointing of God to be upon our lives. And so people are losing confidence in the ministry. And they're losing confidence in the church at large. And they're losing confidence in the word of God. Where does that leave us to turn? It sets the world up. For what? It does set the world up. Amen. For an antichrist. For a one world government. Are you hearing me today? With all oh, dear. God I didn't see that coming it's coming amen it's coming and that's why we need to realize there are some spiritual principles we better get a hold of and when we come to church it don't matter who's here it didn't matter who stayed home I need to hear from God I need to hear from the Lord hallelujah let a call from the altar oh my God let a call from the altar touch his lips amen I'm not too proud to ask you to pray for me I'm not too proud to ask you to intercede for me. Amen. When church ends today, I'm not too proud to ask you, Lord, speak to our pastor's heart one more time. Amen. Touch his heart about Wednesday. Touch his heart about next Sunday. Oh, God, stir his heart. God, shake him. God, put something in him. Put something in him. Amen. And so when I'm talking about support, I'm not just talking about pats on the back. I'm not just talking about accolades of me and handshakes. Amen. If you never pat my back, if you never shake my hand, but you're on your knees saying, God, I want you to touch him. I want you to stir him. I want you to speak to his heart. Why? Why? We're in the threshold of going into a battle and we need a priest with a word to stand before us and say, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. My. My God help us. My Lord and my God. I'm not suggesting we've ever played church, but if we have been playing church, it's over. Amen. I'm not suggesting we've ever been playing with our praise and worship, but I am suggesting that if we have been, it's over. Why? Because the day calls for it. The hour calls for it. We need a move of God. Amen. I don't really know what to do ushers if you'll help our students in I, I, I just feel like I need to keep going here not cause I've got preachers itch but we're on to something amen so if you'll just tell the ushers to do the, what they need to do with the children amen we gotta allow these truths to sink in God is with us he fights for us and he will bring us to victory and so that's why we need to come to church with a sense of expectation hear me now a sense of expectation from the word of God. I'm going to tell you I'm humble. We got some of the greatest musicians you'd ever want to hear anywhere. Amen. I can't tell the difference. I'm being honest. I can't tell the difference when we're home or when we're in Ocala at camp meeting or when we're at general conference. I'm being honest with you. I'm humbled by that. I thank you for that, Lord. We got some of the greatest singers and that would remain the same. 
He meant some of the greatest thinkers, some of the greatest leaders, some of the greatest planners. He meant I'm thankful. We're blessed. We are blessed beyond what we dare deserve. Amen. But when we come to the house of God, we don't need to come with some expectation of talent. We don't need to come with some expectation of showmanship. Amen. We don't need to come with some expectation of what can I get out of this. But we need to say now, I need to hear from the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord. Thank you, Brother Osborne, for opening the service this morning with the word of God. Amen. There's nothing that can set the trajectory like the word of God. There's nothing that can help us. There's nothing that can heal us. There's nothing that can strengthen us like the word of God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 The word. The word of God. We need to allow the ministry to minister, to impart God's word to our hearts and help bring things into proper spiritual perspective. As you read verses nine, five through nine, and I won't read them for the sake of time, you find even more words of wisdom. The priest has now finished speaking, but it's still not time to step into the battle. I'm ready. The priest just got through saying, amen. But it's still not time to step into the battle. And this is where one of the most unorthodox things that could ever happen happens. Are you with me now? I'm talking about, here's men they knew why they woke up this morning. This wasn't something sprung on them at the last minute. They knew what they were going to do when they got up that day. And so the priest gives this word. If you see this, don't be afraid because God's with you. And then now the officers are appoint captains over the armies to lead the people. But before he did, here's what happened. We're going to let some of you go home. Do what? What now? Can't you just hear the chatter among <laughs> the chatter among these? These are fighting men. These are brave men. Amen. These are men. They they couldn't hardly sleep the night before. I'm, I'm in. And he said, "Now wait a minute. We're not going to the battle because he said we got to figure out who among you may be too distracted." To be a part of this that's about to take place. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Woo. Hallelujah. Amen. Those, and in the scripture lists this in those verses. And you can find that. What is it? Verses five through nine. I'm trying, I'm trying to hurry for the sake of time, even though you can't tell it. Amen. Those, he said, that might have built a house. But you haven't had a chance to dedicate it. Anybody here build a house but you hadn't dedicated it? Some guy in the back raised his hand. He said, go home. Go home. Because you're going to be in the battle thinking, well, what if I get killed? I didn't get a chance to dedicate my house. He said, I don't want nothing distracting you. So if you just build a house but we, we're here and you didn't dedicate it, see you. Takes his sword, slides it back in. Those that have planted a vineyard 
Anybody here planted a vineyard, but you hadn't had a chance to eat of it yet? <laughs> yes, sir. He said, get out of here. Because we're going to battle. And I can't afford you to be in battle thinking about them grapes hanging on the vine. And somebody else eating them grapes. Another man's going to get to dedicate this house. I'm not going to get to dedicate my own house. I can't have you in battle distracted. I can't have you in battle and you're sitting there thinking somebody else is going to get to eat the grapes that I planted. Amen. He said if there's anybody here that has been betrothed or you're engaged but you're not yet married. He said I want you to raise your hand. A few hands and the crowd goes up. He said you need to get home because you're going to be worried about you've engaged yourself to another woman but you might die in battle. And I wonder if old Johnny's going to be the one to take her hand. I wonder if it's going to be old Sammy that'll be the one to take her hand. He said you need to get back home. And if you've got a vineyard tended and if you've got a a marriage group you go take care of it and if you've got a house that you hadn't dedicated go dedicate it why we're going into battle and I can't have you distracted I'm here today I've told you this for weeks we're fighting we're not fighting Marlboro we're not fighting Budweiser Light we're not fighting we're not fighting we're not fighting Seagram 7 I'm going to tell you what we're fighting we're fighting for people to not be distracted long enough to have a Wednesday night service around here We're fighting for people not to be so distracted that we can't have a Sunday morning service around here. Why? Because everything's bidding for our attention. Bidding for our attention. But he said, you're not worthy to go into this battle if your mind is not all the way in the battle. He said, you need, I'm not being belligerent here. He said, you need to get you and your excuses and go back home. And you take care of your house. And you take care of your wife. And you take care of your vineyard. But we're facing a spiritual giant. We're facing some real foes. And we've got to have everybody on the same page and in the game. Get your mind in the game. Amen. Several years ago, I was volunteering at our elementary school. I was trying to help a little boy. He was falling behind, and he's a friend of my son's, actually, and he was falling behind a little bit in school, and so my wife was volunteering at the school. She was a substitute school teacher there for a period of time, and she recognized what was going on. She asked me, she said, could you just come and help? It's all, he's got it. He just, he's just so easily distracted. So I went several, I don't know how long that lasted, but I went for a long time, and I'm telling you, we'd just be all focused, just everything, just, and a fly could land on the desk. I commend you teachers, let me tell you, Lord, have mercy. I'm going to get them all corralled back up, all this stuff. And I mean, the least little thing that happened, and he's, he's gone, gone. And I feel like God was preparing me. I'm sorry but I do feel that way sometimes I feel like that that, that God just reminds us sometimes just like on a Sunday morning just God just just vibrating with a purpose and the principles of God and then all of a sudden and all of a sudden Monday and Tuesday comes along like wait 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 we've got to keep our mind in the game long enough to accomplish this, and I'm not blaming you, I'm telling you, this is how hell's fighting us. 
If you think I'm picking on you, you're, me, you're reading me wrong. If you think I'm being a smart aleck, you're reading me wrong. This is the spirit of the age. I want to tell you, we're long over a lot of things that used to hinder the church. We've grown beyond that. Thank God. I believe that they could build anything next door to this church. Anything. And we could still have church. And I'm talking about have church. It wouldn't be a hindrance to us. We, just, it might, we might not like it, but when we got in here and closed the doors, we'd just go right, right on with our business. And so the devil moved in our mind, in our home. Amen. And so, and so God is commanding these officers, I, I'm going to move. Amen. Paul said this to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. He said, Thou therefore endure, endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself, himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You, when, when somebody defects out of the military, they take that pretty serious. That, that's not going to be followed by a little post-it note left on his locker. Sorry you had a bad day. Because if you'll leave us and it's not even wartime, what will you do in wartime? If, you, if you're missing mama and the guns hadn't even started blazing, we can't take you halfway around the world and trust that you're going to sit still. Amen? So he said, when you're in war, you can't entangle yourself with the affairs of life. Because I'm trying to please him. I've got to try to please him. Only after these distractions were removed did the officers begin to appoint leaders over the people. We said, we've got to thin this crowd out first. We've got to figure out who's in this thing to win. I'm, I'm uh, doing my best. When you're faced with a spiritual battle, you've got to make sure. Listen, you know, the, the, the men who left may have been offended. But I, I'm sure the men who stayed were glad they found out. Because <laughs> when it goes down, I want to make sure I'm standing with somebody that will stay. I don't want somebody distracted. I want to I make sure I'm, some, I'm with somebody that's got my back. We can't allow ourselves to be brought down by doubt and fear. And so it's important in times of spiritual warfare that we lock arms with faithful people and encourage one another in the Lord. Let's move to verses 10 and 11. When thou comest nigh to the city unto a city to fight against it, then proclaim peace to it. And it shall be, if it make the answer of peace and open unto thee, then it shall be that all the people that is found therein shall be tributaries unto thee, and they shall serve thee. Stay with me here. After all these preparations had been completed, it was now time to enter the battlefield. But even then, the people were not to go marching just mercilessly to conquer and destroy any city they wished. They were not at liberty to just do whatsoever they wanted to do. Because sometimes in their journey to where God was taking them, the people of Israel would pass cities that had expressed no hostility whatsoever. And if so, then they were to be left alone. But at other times, they faced hostile cities and, and nations that fought against them. And I want to be clear about something here. This passage is speaking about hostile cities that were, that were not a part of the land that God was going to give Israel, okay? 
So in such cases, God commanded that the Israelites were to approach this aggressive city with an offer of peace. And in these situations, the Israelites were to seek peace with their enemies. But notice one thing to be really clear. It was not peace at any cost. As believers, I think that we've got to be very, very careful that we are faithful warriors against the forces of this world, the flesh and the devil. But, but our battle is not ultimately against flesh and blood. Our battle is against spiritual forces. And so we should never allow ourselves to become belligerent and harsh toward the people of this world. I mean, I'm telling you something. Some of the meanest people I've ever met in my life have claimed to be Christians. Amen. I'll let that marinate just a minute. But we need to pursue peace. He said, as much as, as much as within you, be peaceable with all men. But we should not only do in as much as we can, we, we've got to do that and not violate our call of God. And this is where the conflict gets between the pulpit and the pew. Because when you start drawing definite lines in the sand, people have to decide. What are we going to do? And so we, we, can't, we got to stay true to the call of God. And so I, let me just say it this way. As a pastor, I want to pastor with as much mercy, with as much tolerance, with as much patience, with as much understanding as I can, but I have got to be true to my call. So something happens, you know, that I'm not real comfortable with. I'll back up and give a little bit of room for that. Something else go, you know, another little situation happens. I, I, you know, you're trying to save a lot of people here, so you just take make a little more. But you see, after a while, if I take another step, I'm going to be violating my call. So now my back's against the wall, and, and a judgment has to be made. And we said, well, we went this far, but we're not going any further than that. Is that all right? Because you've got to be true to the call of God. And so we've got we to seek peace if we can, but it must be peace without compromise, not peace at any cost. Peace without compromise. Amen. Now, Deuteronomy 20 and 12, throw those up there, if you will, and, and, uh, I, and I'll hurry. <clears throat> and, if, and this is what verse 12 says, and if, and if it will make no peace with thee, but will make war against thee, then thou shalt besiege it. I'm not preaching here today just to preach. I'm going somewhere. And when the Lord... the when the Lord thy God hath delivered into thine hands, thou shalt smite every male thereof with the edge of the sword. But the women and the little ones and the cattle and all that is in the city, even all the spoil thereof, shalt thou take unto thyself, and thou shalt eat the spoil of thine enemies which the Lord thy God hath given thee. So he said, if they, if they don't want peace, and they think they want a slice of you, then you give them a slice of you. But just kill the males and you take everything else for your reward. And then he said, verse 15, Thus shalt thou do unto all the cities which are very far off from thee, which are not of the cities of this nation. That's what I mentioned a moment ago. This was not about the cities that were there. But of the cities of these people which the Lord thy God doth give thee for an inheritance, thou shalt save alive nothing that breatheth. Because when we get to Canaan, we're taking Canaan. You hear me? When you cross into what belongs to you, it's going to be yours. And he said, don't leave nothing breathing. Now, that's animals. That's 
children. That, that's, this is brutal, but he said, there's a reason for this. And so hold on through all of this bloodbath. He said, but you shall utterly destroy them, namely the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Now, if you're, you're reading along with this, you're probably in horror thinking, what kind of God is this? There's a purpose. And here is why. The purpose for this is found in verse 18. That they teach you not to do after all their abominations which they have done unto their gods, so ye should sin against the Lord your God. Wow. 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 He said, don't you leave an ox standing in the stall. What in the world would an ox have to do with it? I don't know. He said, I don't want nothing breathing. Because if you leave anything breathing, they're going to influence you after their God. Amen. They're going to influence you after their way. Amen, that's why, that's why. Listen, the people, the people today, amen, are wanting to soften the pulpits of America, amen, all around. You know why? Because we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to be made uncomfortable. I don't know how many, I don't know how many of you saw this recently on Facebook. Somebody posted this of a young man. I have no idea what faith or persuasion, I have no idea what this was. If you, if you watched this video, there was a man preaching on the street and a young lady come out of the crowd and she was condemning him for his preaching. Anybody see this? Two or three of us here. And, and he's preaching on the street, and this young lady come out, and she started ridiculing him. And, 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 he, and he was very articulately arguing and just speaking back. Not arguing, but very articulate. And he said, what is it about? What am I doing that the apostles didn't do? What am I doing that, 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 that the disciples were not doing? They were proclaiming, what about John the Baptist? And he was, not argue, he was not arguing with her at all. And she began to weep. She began to cry. Are you hearing me? And she said, what you're saying is making me uncomfortable. What you're doing is making me uncomfortable. And I thought, my God, if that is not a picture of the world that we're living in today, amen, they want a preacher with a Band-Aid over his mouth. Why? Because what you're saying is making me uncomfortable. When you preach against sin, it makes it uncomfortable. Amen. When you preach against fornication, it makes me uncomfortable. When you preach against adultery, it makes me uncomfortable. How are you hearing me? When you preach against worldliness, it makes me uncomfortable. I say, my God, amen, Malachi, say it to us again. Let there be a priest that's got a word on his lips. Let there be a priest that's got a word in his mouth. And let there be a congregation. Woo! Let there be a congregation that says, preach, 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 preach. Don't hold it back. Don't hold it back. Give me the word of the Lord. He said, don't leave anybody breathing. Don't leave anything breathing. Or they'll win you over. They'll win you over. I'm going to tell you that's why the Bible says that light hadn't got no business with darkness. Sweet water hadn't got no business with bitter water. Amen. That's why he talks about, amen, you better be careful who you link yourself with. Why? Because they will bring you down. I'm exactly two-thirds of the way through, if you can hang in there.
My Lord, have mercy. I cooked way too much dinner for today. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So they were to put every, in this case, that has shown itself to be hostile. Amen. That remained outside of the boundaries of the Lord that was given them. They were told to strike the city. That's what the scripture said. And put every male to death. But they were permitted to take the spoils of the cities outside of the promise. Take the children, the, and they would assimilate them into the community of Israel. They could take the women and the children, but not the men. You know why? Because men are really supposed to be the influencers of our home. Mm -hmm. The spiritual influencers. Of our home. I'm sorry. They're, men are supposed to be the spiritual influences of our home. That's why I say you can't trust them. You kill those men. But we can take these. Don't be offended by this lady. Amen. We can take these and assimilate them into what we're doing. But we got to leave the priests of those homes. We better put them in the grave. Because they'll influence the other camp. Nothing that breathed in this, in this other case, though, was to be left. That seems brutal, but God takes serious things serious. That's why he said, lest they teach you to do according to their abominations. Your children ever come home from school or come home from a friend's house and just pop out something, you go, where in the world did you get that? See, they was learning. Somebody was influencing. Somebody was molding. And so he said, I'm going to rid the camp for your protection and for your preservation of the future generations. And it might help us to understand that. He said, when you come into that land, excuse me, that God's given you, you shall not learn to follow the abomination of this nation. As you go on to read, and I will not, but as you go on to read Deuteronomy 18, 19 through 14, you can take that home today and read that. You get a clear picture of the evil that God was trying to protect them of. Even though God's instruction in our passage seemed brutal and unmerciful, we need to appreciate the seriousness of the situation these people were facing. And so we, how then do we apply? Now, I'm trying to bring this back to 2014. How do we apply these, these teachings into our own struggle? I believe that it teaches us that we're not to allow ourselves to be deceived by the subtleness of sin. You may think you can survive with a tolerant attitude towards sin, but in the end, it always destroys. We can't allow the world, the flesh, or the devil, those are our three enemies, to set up camp within ourselves or within our home. Come on, families. Come on, husbands. Come on, wives. Come on, mama. Come on, daddy. Wake up. Wake up. We've got to act decisively towards sin in our own lives. I'm reading a book. This is totally a sidebar. I'm reading a book entitled Intoxicated with Babylon, and I would admonish everyone, especially parents, to purchase and read this book. Don't just buy it. It speaks directly about the spirit of the age that we're living in. And I want you to really understand something here. The author of this book is not United Pentecostal. He's not even Pentecostal. So lest you think, well, here we go with no little apostolic deals. No, 
This is somebody that got his head out of the sand long enough to figure out what's going on and wrote it down. Matthew 5.29. This is what Jesus said. You, you're talking about radical. If your right eye caused you to see him, pluck it out. Cast it. It's be more profitable for you to go into heaven without an eye than your whole body be cast into hell. Now, he's not commanding us to literally maim ourselves. He's just trying to make a point. that he, Jesus takes serious things serious. Now, in, in closing, <laughs> I'm sure that means as little right now. This leads me to the last principle of this passage, and that is 19 and 20, verses 19 and 20. When thou besiege a city a long time, in making war against it to take it. Thou shalt not destroy, listen carefully now, thou shalt not destroy the trees thereof by forcing an axe against them. Don't cut down the tree. For thou mayest eat of them, and thou shalt not cut them down. For the tree of the field is a man's life, to employ them in the siege. He said, don't don't cut down those trees. Only the trees which thou knowest that they be not fruit for meat. Thou shalt destroy and cut them down and shalt build bulwarks against that city to make war until it be subdued. Now I find something encouraging about this. <laughs> Nowhere in God's instructions does he leave room for failure. When you go into battle and you see that apple tree, you leave her because tomorrow you're going to be eating her fruit. <laughs> Because that's going to be your tree. <laughs> when, you, when you get over here to the pear tree, leave that tree alone. You're going to enjoy them preserves one day because that's going to belong to you. That's how confident God was they were going to win this battle. He said, you just take the trees down that won't be meat for you in due season and you use that to build your weaponry against them. Amen? I'm going to tell you, I about shouted. Amen, I appreciate your willingness and your ability to hold on through that. Amen. <laughs> I know, you can only take so much. Don't destroy the trees that are going to bless you tomorrow. You know why? Because tomorrow you're going to live here. In the spirit of the Lord, let's stand. You've been so kind. He said, when the dust is clear and the battle's over, the people of Israel, you're going to be living in this land. You're going to be eating those. You're going to lay under the very apple tree you're passing right now. Because it's going to be yours. It's going to be yours. That's how confident God was they were going to win. And so we need to treat every human adversary as if by God's grace and mercy they could one day be our friend. Remember, don't sacrifice the future on the altar of the present. Don't sacrifice the future, your future, on the altar of the present. I know it may be storming right now. But there's some principles of warfare that if we'll take with us into the battle, we won't have to sacrifice our tomorrow on the altar of today and don't cut down the fruit trees just to build a weapon because you're going to need that tomorrow for food 
And so as long as we live in this present world, we will be in the midst of an intense spiritual battle. And Paul was very, very much aware of this battle. And that's why Paul concludes his life, and I know many could quote it, but that's why Paul concludes his life by saying this, I have fought a good fight. This has been a fight. And I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Not to me only, but to all, and to all them that also love his appearing. And so I'm going to tell you today that we win. We win. I wonder if we can lift our hands heavenward. I wonder if we will pull these promises out of the atmosphere and into our spirit in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.